she cares. She wants to get married, so let's do this. So we almost got eloped. Uh, so, or we were planning on getting eloped. And then, then the change happened. So I don't know what it was. But we got to this point where like, I think I'm doing this for the wrong reason. She's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, well, what, what, what are you doing for the wrong reason? Like what, what, what is the action that you are doing that then makes you feel like there's a wrong reason for it? And she like, she was like, what is it? And I'm, you know, I'm just standing there. I'm, I'm still like feeling it right now. I have no idea. Like something's wrong. Like inside of me, like something is, something's wrong. listening to I Used to Know, But Now I Think, a show about leaders, thinkers, visionaries, and the stories that shaped how they understand the world. I'm Jake Thayer, and on the show today, how Stu Heslip changed the way he thought about freedom after his pursuit of it left him without friends, a job, or a home. Okay. Okay. So let's jump in. So I think, um, I think you have a pretty cool story. And, uh, I also, I think I'm going to ask you too many questions and then we'll get a big picture and then maybe, maybe I'll edit it down later. Maybe not. Maybe I'll give you first writer refusal and you'll hate it and you'll say, please don't post this and this will go nowhere, (laughs) whatever you want to do. But, um, so, uh, I know like I've seen a couple like windows into your life. Certainly, you know, I knew you kind of in high school. I know you now, but there was a bunch before in between and then hopefully yeah. after that um, is still to be told. But uh, so I'd love to kind of start here and paint a picture of, of your whole life because um, you know, this, this podcast is about thinking one way and moving a different direction. You've yep. clearly done that. So I'd love to kind of start with where you were and then, uh, and then transition through your life to where you are now. So, yeah. um, so uh, kind of fill me in on what was, what was your early childhood like? <clears throat> so, I am the only Yankee in my family. What do you mean? So my entire family was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was born in Somerset, Pennsylvania. And with that uh, comes like being raised in a traditionally Southern household, uh, no matter what. So, and the reason I say that is here in the Pacific Northwest, it's just different. It's like totally different. Uh, so like my dad um, is, is and was totally old school. It, like he, he was 18 during the civil rights stuff. Like he was 18 when Martin Luther King got assassinated. Okay. So he was a little bit older. Yeah. So we're talking like old school South. So that's my home. Mm-hmm. Um, all about football. Football is football and sports primarily are like key competition is it like that is what life is about is competition. Yeah. Um, there are great portions of that. And then there's also like 
you can't keep the standard portions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's right and wrong and everything. So, uh, so that's, yeah, that's kind of the, the pre-context to the family I was born into. Uh, they are, uh, Christians. They, uh, were, you know, we've, we've gone through a couple of different denominations and stuff, <clears throat> but yeah. So just a old school Southern Christian family is what I was born into. Uh, so I've moved a lot. Um, so started in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. moved to Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, uh, and that was kind of like sub suburby life. I was born out in like deep farmland in Pennsylvania, <laughs> even to the point where like cow manure, when I smell cow manure, I think of like home, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, that's pretty redneck, but whatever, <laughs> I'll take it. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, moved to Richmond, Virginia. And then. Uh, when I was going into third grade, moved to Lake Stevens, Washington, which is where we're from. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up there all the way till my sophomore, no, my junior year of high school. In my junior year of high school, I moved back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a um, little bit more west of where I was living originally. Uh, made it six months. Moved out when I was 17, moved back to Lake Stevens by myself, <laughs> lived in my buddy's garage for a year and a half. Nice. I was like, yeah, that's the life. That's what every 17 year old wants for whatever reason. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's like total freedom. Uh, and then graduated somehow and then couldn't get a job. And I also can't freeload in somebody's house without a job. So, so then I moved back to Pittsburgh lived there for three years and lived in West Virginia, Michigan, Monroe, Washington, Ontario, Canada, and now back to Monroe, Washington. Jeez. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's crazy. And none of it's military, which is like, right. That's the main question I get is like, Oh, are you part of like air force or army or Navy or something? <laughs> right, right. Like, nope. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> just moved around. That is a lot of moving. Yeah. So would you say you were like a well-behaved kid or like I know about now how you grew up, where you grew up, but like what was, what was Stu, do you go by Stu or Stuart? Uh, Stuart's pretty professional. Okay, Stu. (laughs) (laughs) Or royalty. It makes me feel like royalty. (laughs) So Uh, what was Stu like in, uh, you know, in your younger years? What was was your life like? So when I I was the kid uh, who, when when like school's over, you get back from school and like first grade or whatever, I'm the kid who like runs outside, takes his shirt off immediately and just starts screaming. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Uh, and there's definitely that spirit still within Mm -hmm. me at age 27. Uh, yeah, definitely still part of me. Uh, so always wild and wanting to experience and, uh, want, want more, I guess, not in like the extreme entrepreneur side of it, but just want more, just keep going and whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was me as like a kid, pretty respectful. I mean, again, the old school Southern home, like that's, there's a lot of law in that home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you get, you could get, uh, popped for getting out of line and stuff, which is fine. Um, 
shaped me to who I am today. So as I grew older though, uh, the wildness of just like being a boy, like just wanting to get dirty wild, uh, kind of turned into more of like, ah, nah, like a time, it just kind of like turned into rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this sounds super cheesy. This is like, I feel like this could be in a movie. I didn't really listen to music at all. Um, you know, my, my parents kind of listened to like Christian radio, which I have my own opinions about, especially back in like the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But so I was like, nah, yeah, you know, like whatever. Uh, and then there was one day walk, I think I was walking home from the bus stop or school or I was walking home from somewhere mm-hmm. and I found a Metallica CD on the ground, <laughs> like in the case Metallica ride the lightning. It was like the the heavens just Dude, opened. Oh yeah, and with it was like guitar solo. Yeah, <laughs> angels. That disc guitars. was on the ground, just glowing. Oh what? yeah, what is this? Yeah. And so that was definitely, like I said, it's like a movie. That was a turning point. Like really, it it was like a gateway drug, man. Like <laughs> it's like Metallica, Ride the Lightning. I listened to it for the first time, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything that like. This this is this is the rhythm of my heart, and I have just found it. Like yeah. this is my pacemaker, <laughs> and so I just got super into that, um, and it just really fueled my one. It fueled my adventure, wild side, but then also uh, it led to other things that influenced me. And I don't care what you say, TV, music, even commercials influence you, whether you accept it or not. And so it it did influence me uh, to a degree to where I'm like, you know, way into the rebellion side, which mm-hmm. I feel like I would have gotten there anyway. Sure. Like the heart was there. Right, right. And this was just like the quick access. Right. To it. it just needed a little, uh, the, the rage needed a little watering and it was <laughs> yeah. full on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much. That's funny. Yeah. I, when I when we met, I remember you had uh, Mohawk. Yeah, baby. Rage Against the Machine was just blaring. Oh, yeah. Um, made a little leather jacket, maybe. Yeah. Like, dude, it was, uh, yeah, you're full on at the time. Dude, yeah. Leather boots up to my knees, uh, like 20 eyed Doc Martens, <laughs> razor blade in my ear. Yeah. Yeah. 11 inch Mohawk. That was as big as it got. Jeez. Which is sweet. I remember that. It was like, <laughs> it, you knew when you were coming down the hall, just the big red hawk yeah, like just sh- coming. Yeah. Shark fin. Yeah. Yeah. In my, uh, in my Jeep the soft top actually would bend it at like a 90 degree oh, okay. angle and then i'd have to like get out and like <laughs> straighten it up spit in my hands like you know i gotta look cool it's a that's disgusting school. yeah i totally was <laughs> that's super funny i remember we both had jeep wranglers just like yeah it was sweet yeah that dude, was awesome jeep life dude <laughs> so did, like um during this time like you grew up in this christian home uh and what was your take on those beliefs? Like now that you were, you know, you're kind of deep into this. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what the right appropriate way to say a, a phase of. Yeah. I, I would know. just say it was, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I, I think every high schooler goes through a phase of just like experimenting. Yeah. Um, and some maybe physically look a lot more drastic. Uh, like mine, you know, like mm-hmm. would just like wear football jerseys and like jeans. Mm-hmm. And then like the next year it's like, 
you know, chains and spikes and like yeah. FUs and all, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. So, I mean, physically, you know, there's a bigger change and other people have uh, probably what physically looks more subtle, but I think everybody experiences in high, in high school, like what, what they want and who they are and stuff. And so for me, it was like what, what I think I wanted like I wanted full independence. Oh, something I didn't mention. Uh, I'm the youngest. So like, I've always been like baby stew and mm. like, oh, I'm a sweeter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I, I can't even get out of baby stew and I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> I've always baby stew. Uh, and, and so that's in, in my mind, like, you know, as a 15 ish year old, I'm like, you know, getting ready to drive. I'm like starting on the football team and all that stuff. It's like, okay, like I'm becoming a man. I want to be my own thing, right? Independent. And for me, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later for me, I am like a, I'm not black and white, but I'm extreme. So like what I mean by that is not like the boastful gloating of like, I'm the best. And like, I only do the crazy stuff, but it is like whatever I do, and it, I do it and it is like, you know, you're doing it a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And so extreme from that perspective, not necessarily like, you know, me back flipping out of airplanes though, I would probably try that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it was like, okay, so this is my way out. This mm-hmm. is my way right. to get my independence and not be baby stew. <laughs> right. 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 And it worked. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah, it worked. <laughs> but it had some maybe undesirable, yeah. Repercussions. Or, yeah. So you, you 17, you move out, yep. you move into a friend's garage. Yep. Um, and then, and then what happens? Where does your life go from there? So, uh, the, it, it, it was actually pretty slow, uh, slower than I think most people would think the transition, uh, was kind of just like one, like, Holy crap, I'm back. Like, my parents live on the East coast. Like my parents live 3000 miles away. So that's new. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm always trying to, at this point, I'm always trying to get away from my parents, but now I'm like, <laughs> right. They're actually bro. The fastest they could get here would be like in a day and a half. Like, yeah. They are gone. And so it took, it took a while for me to kind of like get out of the mindset of like, Oh man, like I can't do this. Otherwise I'll get in trouble. Cause it's like, mm. no, I won't. right right you know and so i mean obviously the the parents that i'm living with they're like watchful but they're not like my parents right you know i'm i'm i have far more freedom in that perspective so it it took some time but it definitely uh flipped pretty quick so my family again traditional southern christian family doesn't drink doesn't smoke all this kind of stuff so what am i thinking drinking smoking right right (laughs) I'm gonna figure out why we aren't doing or why they didn't do it. Why does everybody else do it? And that's like the the experimenting thing. Yeah. You're a try, you're a learn by doing kind of guy. Oh yeah. 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 I could read it in in a textbook and be like, Oh, okay. And then go do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then it, I would say the first couple of months it, it was pretty slow. And then, then the switch happened. Um, and, you know, trying to pretty much trying to get sloshed every weekend, Mm. uh, to, 
you know, sometimes we won and sometimes we would got solidified in a group of friends who, uh, were after the same things. Now, some of them come from like broken homes and some of them come from like totally fine homes, but mm-hmm. we all just like found each other and we're all yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. Like yeah. we're all doing this. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of, that, that was mainly what the change or where the change came from was when we all like decided like, let's do this. Hmm. Um, we also kind of had a phrase of like nice guys finish last. It was just like, that's mm-hmm. just what it is from, from our worldview and perspective yep. they never win so we're gonna go get it hmm. yeah interesting and yep. so you lived that lifestyle for uh what years or how long so did that... so it really started at like age 15 mm-hmm. I, st- I think i started drinking when i was 15 uh and then it really picked up speed at age yeah, age 17. And I think I carried it all the way to about age 19 ish to maybe early, maybe early 20. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then what happened? So what happened was actually, we'll, we'll go back one step. So about age 19, I'm back in Pittsburgh. Uh, and all the crew that I had, uh, they're all like, Oh yeah. Like when you move back, like we'll come visit you. It'll be awesome. I'm sure you'll get peeps and like all this kind of stuff like uh, you know things will work out and in my mind i'm like this is the death of me like Mm. i am going to this is when you're this is when your parents moved to pittsburgh and took you away from all your lake stevens friends no so this is me coming from lake stevens after graduating back to pittsburgh oh okay after i've already moved out so now i'm moving back so it's one one, it's almost like why did you decide to do that because i couldn't get a job because i looked like a psycho got it got it (laughs) this is you still had the mohawk yeah yeah yeah. i had the mohawk and like you know i'm showing up to job interviews with like a studded leather jacket because that's like that's all i have you know (laughs) this is my this is my sunday coat (laughs) nice right okay so that the interview process wasn't going well so you moved back in yeah i couldn't even get a job at subway like it's like i couldn't get a job anywhere and out here we have a subway and a starbucks at like every plaza (laughs) i mean it's true yeah yeah Yeah. it's so so going back to moving with my parents was failure to the idea of I'm 17, I'm going to become a man. I'm going to do this. I'm out of here. Yeah. Cause now it's like, I can't do this. I'm 19, I think. And I'm moving back in with my parents that I pretty much t- told to screw off and see ya. Right. So it's failure to me. And all my buddies are like, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll help you through it and all this kind of stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, dude, I'm, you guys are done. Like, you guys aren't going to do it. And and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So I go there and like, you know, a core group of like 20 high school friends that I have known since some of them, even since like fourth grade. Yeah. All said this and nobody showed up. Hmm. Dang. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where I kind of got and I got so angry. And I was an angry individual anyway. Uh that's why I loved football. That's why I liked wrestling cuz it's like I can do this. This yep. is part of the rules. Like <laughs> Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, I can get away with these. <laughs> right. And so once I got into 
or once I moved back to Pittsburgh, I didn't have any of that outlet. And there was one guy, the guy I lived with back in Lake Stevens, Alan. Um, and I'm like calling him like all the time. Cause I'm like, I got no friends. Cause believe it or not, there's like no punk rock scene in Pittsburgh, which I thought there would be, but there's <laughs> like totally not. Or if there is, it's like way underground <laughs> and you got to know people to find it. So I like, I'm the only dude probably in our County with like a Mohawk or with boots that go above the ankle. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, Whoa, Holy cow. Like people like me don't exist out here. And so I couldn't get that satisfaction. So I kept calling Alan and like, and he's my boy. And so we're all like talking and stuff. And he's like, you just need to go find yourself a girl. Like that's what you need to do. And you know, 19 years old, I'm like, <laughs> you're right. Like I could get him in high school. I need one. That's my issue. Like they're, that's my problem. And so as a 19 year old, I just try and find the hottest chick I can find. And I did. And so we, uh, started dating immediately. Um, and later I found out, um, that at the time, uh, she was the uh, highest paid stripper in Pittsburgh. Hmm. So there was that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird, uh, weird start to a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. And that's kind of why, uh, we got into a relationship, not because she was a stripper. It was because I had no idea. And so like, I don't know that side of mm -hmm. her, which kind of spoke to her of like, he's not interested in me because I swing like, or swing on a pole, but now he's like interested in me because like, I don't know, I'm actually clothed or whatever. So, uh, so yeah, we started talking and pretty much spent all my waking hours with her at her house or at her work or whatever when mm -hmm. I wasn't working. So yeah, that's kind of where I found community and fulfillment. Uh, once I moved back to Pittsburgh. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so you're in that relationship, you're living life. I assume you found a job somewhere. You yeah. got accepted even though you had your Mohawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually did. I did have the Mohawk. Nice. Um, yeah. So I was, uh, ironically working at a Starbucks, not in Washington, but in Pittsburgh <laughs> with the idea of like, I'm going to work at Starbucks to get transferred back to Seattle because mm -hmm. they can do that. If you put in like six months, I think at that time. Got it. You can transfer like anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. And then I met, uh, this, this woman. And so, you know, we started dating and things were getting like really serious and I'm like, okay, I can't be a barista. And like, you know, I, I need to find like a real job. Right. Right. Um, like at that point, like if we're going to get married and I'm going to be supporting, like I can't do it as a barista. So angry individual loves hitting, loves wrestling, loves fighting. I'm going to join the army. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I could get paid to shoot guns, which I love to do and do at that point. Uh, I love physical contact, camaraderie, blowing stuff up and I can get paid for it. Like, yeah. Let's go. Right. And you were probably still looking a little bit for that community that you lost oh, back home. Yeah. Right. I, I am a huge camaraderie person. Like it, and it's not even just like spending time with the bros. It is just like, 
it's to me it's more than just community of like hey how are you doing oh, i'm doing it like mm -hmm. i love to be like in it with people yeah and so yeah yeah that's definitely an aspect of it um and so i actually uh ended up meeting a couple of uh special forces guys in pittsburgh um one of them really took me under his wing so he was a navy seal who was like one of the master teachers for uh seer school which is their wilderness survival training like hmm. you know you drop out of out of a plane and you have to be behind enemy lines for like you know whatever like a month or something so he's the Dang. guy who teaches you how to do that so he's teaching me all this stuff and also helping me do conditioning there are a couple this of, is before you're enrolled right yeah this is me or going enlisted. through the application process got it which took forever um but so yeah and i'm also like doing these things where like we're running and full fatigues and like you know i have this like cheapy pair he made me buy this like cheapy pair of combat boots they're like 15 bucks like yeah not, not good for not good for anything yeah uh and like we're drenching ourselves in water that has ice on top of it yeah because pittsburgh man pittsburgh gets cold and so yeah we're doing that and then running a mile with a 60 pound rock and like you know from the 60s yeah. metal frame and all that so like that's that's what i'm doing and aiming for mm -hmm. um with the idea to become a uh, army ranger with hopes to then uh go into special warfare and see see what that like where that goes yeah also while wanting to be uh with this girl and yeah and so the application process is getting like super close like yeah. way close and she's getting super stressed i'm getting stressed and we get to the point of like okay so like supposed to sign the papers uh for the mos that will apparently like straight line me to ranger school or something like that and again this is a while ago so i don't fully remember the details but it's yeah it's supposed to like give me the beeline straight to ranger school go through airborne advanced infantry or whatever so that sign that contract in a week and swear in and you're going to fort benning in georgia or i think that's the one yeah uh, so you're going there yeah oh yeah like here we go mm -hmm. yeah so i'm training for this like finally like something i'm working for and working hard to and i'm gonna get it yeah like i have her and i'm gonna get this like this is what it means to be a man hmm. yeah like, yeah finally age 19. So then that's when all the tensions start and we're thinking like, okay, so right before I enlist, we're going to get eloped, you know, forget everybody else. I don't care. Like I really don't, I don't have a, really any relationship with any of my siblings. Yeah. Really don't have a great relationship with my parents. Uh, so like, who cares? All my friends back home don't care. Yeah. And so like, she cares. She wants to get married, so let's do this. So we almost got eloped. Uh, so, or we were planning on getting eloped, and then, then the change happened. So, I don't know what it was, but we got to this point where, like, I think I'm doing this for the wrong reason. She's like, "Well, what do you mean?" And I'm like, 
I don't know. She's like, well, what, what, what are you doing for the wrong reason? Like what, what, what is the action that you are doing that then makes you feel like there's a wrong reason for it? And she like, she was like, what is it? And I'm, you know, I'm just standing there. I'm, I'm still like feeling it right now. I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. Like something's wrong. Like inside of me, like something is, something's wrong. And so I just like left that night. Like, uh, yeah, um, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, so I come back tomorrow and she thinks that like, you know, I'm like digging into her like one, one you know, so, you know, she thinks that she did something wrong or, you know, ex- expecting like a big blow or something like that, which if that happened to me, I'd be, you know, I'd be expecting the same thing. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Though we need to talk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I come back the next day and she's like, Hey, like what's going on? All this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I still don't know. And so, uh, at this point it was late in the evening and she, she wanted to have sex. And so every other time it was like, yep, sure. Like, let's do this. But this time it was like, nah, nah, I can't. She's like, what, like, what is going on in your mind? And I'm like, yeah, I still don't know, <laughs> but I know. So, you know, there's something going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, but you don't know. I know I can't do this. And so that started a huge fight, but then it's like, you know, I just, I don't know. So I left, uh, again, but this time not on good terms. Like last time was in like confusion of like, okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. And this, this last time it was like, see ya buddy. Um, right. And then I came back the next night um, and she. uh, It was pretty much a repeat of the the night prior, like we got to a point and it was like, okay, like. Let's go have sex. And. It was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely not. Like now I'm now I am convinced. No. Hmm. And she's like, why? And I'm like. Uh, well, so I've been thinking, um, in a week I'm going to be signing a contract that is going to send me out into the world with my intentions up to like, just go blast people. Cause again, I'm not like, I'm just still angry. I yeah. just want to like make people pay for my own pain, which is like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so that's that, I mean, that's, that's what it was, man. And so I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like I know that sex before marriage is bad from my previous worldview of Christianity through my uh, parents' faith and all that. So I'm like, oh man, like. But why, why is it sneaking back up on you now? Well, because I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to go out to war, I need to make sure that I'm like right with God in this area because oh. like you know like right and not the not reality to say, yeah not to say that like i believe but like if it is true like <laughs> right, I, you know right, I, right. <laughs> I don't want him to be pissed at me right right and and for whatever reason 
out of everything else, as far as sin goes out of everything else, that's the one that is like the deal breaker mm-hmm. in my paradigm. And so I tell her that and she is like, you're crazy. <laughs> and, and at that point in life, I've had it with like people telling me I'm crazy. Cause like, mm. that's what everybody says. And then they leave, mm. which is like, you know, when you think about crazy people, no one wants to hang around crazy. People. Yeah. And then you tell them they're crazy and they're like, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. You no, know, like all that. <laughs> so that happened. Mm. So the, the anger and all that kind of stuff, dude, just bah, like dragon fire. Um, so yeah, so I got kicked out that night and then the next night come back. Um, same thing happened. Like she's trying to lay it on thick and I'm like, absolutely not like, not a chance Hmm. and i'm not a believer like i'm not like totally not but like i just do not want god to be pissed at me this is for whatever reason this is the stand i'm making and it gets to the point where she's like okay well you're gonna have to choose or no no i i got to the point and i said you're gonna have to choose you and your gods and I mean, that's a huge backstory, but so that's like all the things she had some interesting views of worship and all that stuff. So I just threw it out there, you know, the God's perspective. She was also really into the stars and stuff. So, gotcha. um, so I said, okay, so you either choose you and your gods or you choose me, man. My God, because that's how the contrast is now made. Like, you know, I didn't have yeah. no intention to say that, but I was like, that contrast has now been made. So now I have to say it. Uh, and that's really interesting because you weren't, no, you would not say, you wouldn't walk up to somebody else and say, this is my God. Never, never. Like hmm. all throughout high school and like my later teenage years, it was just like, Jesus is a chump and a wuss <laughs> and like, you know, God is like this dude who just like wages genocide and like just this evil character. And, you know, I want to go as far to say as Satan worship, but it's like, Hey man, like if Satan's do all this fun stuff, well then that's what hell's filled with. So I'm going to do all this fun stuff in hell. So, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's my idea. So, yeah. And then I say like, well, you will, then you got to choose you and your gods or me and my God. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those moments of like, Bro, you just said that. Like, that's weird. <laughs> You've never said that before. You don't know what you're talking about. But and, and she, I mean, immediately just says like, oh, well, then get out. I choose me and my gods. I'm like, oh, Ooh, okay. She called, she called that bluff. I guess I'm gone. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the end of that relationship. Uh, and then I went to like, I think it was the next morning actually uh no no it was the day it was like 36 hours later uh because we were gonna get a lope that next day you know Whoa. a week before that was the idea but after all this stuff like that was off the map but Got so it. but i mean you, it was like right there you were dude. you were real close to being yeah married. yeah dude and so we get to that point she kicks me out and i'm like you know that next day i'm just like okay here I am again, like total failure. No, no female. 
I don't even know if I want to do this military thing. Cause the whole idea was to like make them pay. Yeah. But I can't make anyone pay enough now. Cause I am just so filled with hmm. this like rage. But the whole reason I wanted to do this was to like have the man's job to like provide and all that stuff. And so right. like, so now your motivations, <laughs> it's crazy how it all crumbled because the, like the, it's like the tiny little block at the bottom of, yeah. uh, you know, like got pulled out and then it was like, you know, then the relationship that was built on top of that, yeah. uh, crumbled. And then the reason you're going into the military was to it, fund that relationship. Pyramid. Right. It was like <laughs> one little thing. That was it. Yeah. That's crazy. It, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Super shallow guy. And that's <laughs> just that shallowness at its finest <laughs> one change and everything's gone. <laughs> and so I didn't sleep. I, was like pacing in my room, like just trying to figure everything out. And I go to like, I go to sign the papers and I'm like reading through the papers and like, it's not what we talked about. Hmm. Like not even close to the, you and the recruiter. You mean? Yeah. Not even close to the MOS, the like contract that, that he told me it was. And so like, I'm expecting like, like weaponry, learning, infantry, airborne, all this kind of stuff. As I'm reading through it, it's like six years in South Korea, like diesel mechanic. And it's like, dude, you just tried to screw me. And I did not leave that office in the nicest way possible. <laughs> I bet not. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, one, I would have been pissed anyway, but on top of everything else that just happened. Right. Yeah. I left up there, left out of there with uh, two fingers shown and that was it. <laughs> but she worked close to where that recruiting office was. Dude. Fine moment. Of course, filled with all of this anger and just utter frustration. Go over to where she works and just blast her just let her have it you know like just tell her what you think of her uh, like you were just you were what angry I think of her all of this like i'm out of here screw it all you know all that stuff while she's working oh yeah wow that's that's <laughs> <laughs> fine moment but that's just who i am like yeah. i don't care i i don't care about people i would even tell my friends like the only reason i hang out with you is because you're the people i hate the least like <laughs> yeah yeah real nice <laughs> but that's just who i am yeah. and and there's no thought behind that and it's not even i mean that was a reactionary uh thing but like all of it wasn't reactionary like that it was just like i really do not care yeah um and so now i'm at like the very bottom because one i definitely just blew it with her because i just like destroyed her uh and then i blew it at the recruiting office. Yeah. So that's gone. Right. And now I'm back with like no job, total bum. Right. Not a man, not an independent student, right. still baby still who's an idiot. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I just like, all right, well, I'm going to call my brother because I have no idea what to do. Hmm. And my brother and I are nine and a half years apart. He's hmm. older. So we never really had a relationship, but I'm like, 
I got nobody. And I'm not going to talk to my parents. I've been trying to yeah. get away from my parents for 19 years. You know, <laughs> right. Ever since I was born, I've wanted to be outside and away from them. Yeah. And it's not even like bad on their part. That's just me. Yeah. And so I call him and he's actually like super gracious and hmm. like, you're not, you're an idiot, but you're not like the worst idiot ever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you made dumb choices, but there's redemption from that. And so like, well, that's refreshing because it's always been like, work harder, do more, yeah. stop failing. Like sucks to suck. Don't suck. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then he told me to like, dude, you should just like read this short book in the Bible. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez, like, right. There we go again. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, Will. Like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. And like, totally, psh, no, not doing right. that. That's, that's BS. I'm not doing it. Till like a couple days later, and I'm like still bumming. You're still just, in the same oh, spot. Oh, yeah. It just no gets prospects, worse, no friends. Oh, it gets way worse. Like just, just my mental fortitude is totally gone. And like it's decaying more than I thought it could decay. Hmm. And so... So then I do it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like I don't have any friends. So I got nothing to prove. Like, yeah. it's not like my friends who would laugh at me or whatever, beat me up for reading the Bible or even here. So like, <laughs> cause they're not. And, right. And they've showed me that they really don't care. So why should I care about their opinion? Hmm. All that stuff. So, you know, ashamedly, I like, you know, I'm in my room by myself and I'm like, go find a Bible somewhere. <laughs> so, so I like do it and I like start reading this book and it's the book of James. And it talks about how there's these trials that, that are God given in your life and he gives them to you to test you. But out of the testing, you'll find great joy and promise and all this. And it's like, huh, that's interesting because I felt like I was being tested with like, the the physical relationship I had with this woman. And I made that one weird statement like, OK, so I just kept reading and dude, it was just like one, I don't read books hmm. and and mm -hmm. not only do I not read books like I for real, I never read a book in high school like from with and with slight integrity cover to cover, never did it ever. How did you pass? <laughs> dude, are you kidding me? They didn't even want me there. That's why I passed. Like they just wanted me out of there. Uh, and you know, cheating, Yeah. Right. <laughs> but so, so I end up reading this book and I mean, books in the Bible aren't like novels or anything, you know, they're not very long at all, but like I read it, but the crazy thing is, is it's like reading me, like I'm reading this book. That's like ancient text. And I feel like this person's like talking directly to me and it's like, whoa, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so I kept reading like other books and talking to my brother and all this kind of stuff. And like, we just got to the point where he's like, okay, so like, what do you, what do you think about it? I'm like, uh, you know, still ashamedly. Cause it's like, for whatever reason, I feel like people are watching me, but they're not I'm like, uh, like, I don't know. It seems pretty legit. Like, mm -hmm it seems legit like this seems real and it's crazy because this was written like 
a long time ago. And he's like, yeah, like 2000 years ago. And they get later than that. Whoa. Okay. So yeah, it started reading more. And then I met up with this one punk rock dude. Oh, I finally found this one <laughs> the rock. one punk rock dude <laughs> yeah, in, Pittsburgh, dude. in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finally find this guy. He's got all these tattoos. And I'm like, yo, you're awesome. Dude's a Christian. And it's like a very, a very Christian Christian. Hmm. From my perspective, yeah. I'm like, whoa, dude, like you're reading a Bible in public, like <laughs> Bible thumper. Whoa. But you're like a punk. So like, what's up with that? Yeah. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, you know, he's got like gauges and the septum and like just looks hardcore. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're going to talk because this hmm. is interesting. Right. And so his name's Paul. Uh, he became like one of my best friends and still is like one of my best friends. And he just started like teaching me and showing me what validity is actually in the Bible. And it was like, Oh my gosh, the, the fulfillment that I've always longed for has always been here. Hmm. It's always been right there. Yeah. And, and I really don't think I ever believed it until that point, hmm. you know, 19, 20 years of, living in a household with it uh never thought it was like super legit kind of got caught in the emotions and in the experience of it all but like never like had the full down or like deep down belief that like yeah no this is legit hmm. it was just like this is what everybody else does these yeah. are my friends yeah and so yeah that was like the change when like paul a dude just like me is further has years of backing in this because yeah. I mean, his experience is pretty much the same saved after high school, just a total punk, hmm. but like he's four years older than me. So he's got like four years of experience. Yeah. And for me, I've never held on to something longer than like a year or two because hmm. it's either fallen through my fingers or shown itself as like void. Yeah. So they're right. Well, if Paul can do it, we'll see what this is about. Yeah. And yeah, so I've been about that for the last eight years now. That's so cool. Yeah. And just totally convinced. It was wild. Um, so I knew you in high school and then you moved away and we, you know, we were kind of friends. We were, lived in the same neighborhood, right? So that's yep. how we knew each other. Yep. Um, and, and then I don't know if I saw you on Facebook or, or something or somebody I heard through the grapevine that. Hey, Stu's a Christian now, and he's like living in Washington. And I was like, and like I saw something. I was like, oh, it was like he's going on like missions trips. And I was like, uh, are we talking about the same person right. or you know what but I mean? There's like, there's not it, that many Stu's. There's not that many Stu's, right? <laughs> and I was like, I need to talk to this guy. And we caught up, and um, and now we're doing it again, um, but recording it, which is really fun. Right. But dude, I mean, cr I mean, crazy that you were you were really going in a certain direction yeah and you you made a pretty hard pivot so i'm curious so how you you make this decision to change but uh you've been going in one direction for a while was it hard to like change your behavior and you know yeah. what i mean like now your yeah. heart is you want to do good you know you don't right. you don't think that uh like you said before that like if satan was uh you know where all the fun was happening like now you're like wait a minute hold on i want to but how did you how do you change what you were you know so I think what you're about, I think a lot of people, uh, and this is just me being real. I think a lot of people misunderstand Christianity 
Um, I mean, a lot of people misunderstand a lot of things. So it's not just like, it's not just Jesus. But I think one of the greatest misunderstandings that uh, people have and that I totally did is, well, there's actually two things. Is one, there's like this experience, like when you get saved, like you're golden after that. Like if you were an alcoholic, like if you get saved, by Jesus's sacrifice, like you're not going to be an alcoholic anymore. And I mean, it's like fairy tale style, like bam, done. Mm-hmm. You're good. Or like, you know, you're about to go through a divorce and you get saved, like your, your wife or your husband or whatever, bam, you guys are going to be great. You're going to have a fam. Like this family's going to be awesome. Like all this kind of stuff. Like that standard, just like for whatever reason exists of like once Jesus Like once you have Jesus, then the rest of your life is like, you're good. You're a good person. You do good things. And like, you got no issues. Yeah. Like just a crazy shift. That ain't true. Like (laughs) that wasn't your experience. (laughs) No, dude. (laughs) I have, there was, it was shortly after I got, uh, when I fully believed what the Bible said, like about Jesus. I, I, there was, there had never been a time I got more drunk in my life, Hmm. like ever. And I got alcohol poisoning, should have been hospitalized, but like way too prideful to do that. Mm. I'm also underage. So like, you know, there's that. (laughs) So there's that. And I am in my bedroom dying. Like the amount of times I threw up, like so dehydrated laying on, like just, just the scene from the movies that you see, like this is, guy is in a bad spot and i was there for like two days man it was rough and so obviously i'm like nah it's just a flu or whatever you know all that so that's me as a christian (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so at that point i was like all right kind of had the same conviction about the whole sex thing was like okay so i know i'm not supposed to do this i don't know really why but i know it's bad so i'm gonna stop Okay, so that's good to a degree. Not understanding why is the problem, but like that's good to a degree. Also, it's good because you're not going to get killed doing it. So right, there's not. that, yeah. Um, so at that point, I was 20 uh, and said, I'm not going to drink alcohol until I'm 21, until it's legal, and I ain't getting drunk like I'm done. And I mean, a lot of people who get that drunk sometimes will say, I hate doing this again because it sucks. All right, so there's that too. Like it doesn't have to be Jesus to make that that decision. Yeah. But so like the transformation, hard work. Hmm. And here's the second misunderstanding uh, is when people from the outside look at the inside of what the Bible teaches and what Christians are. Because, again, there's like that gold standard that we're like perfect and all this stuff. They see all these rules and like, dude, like I don't want to live by these rules. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is dumb. Hmm. This stuff is fun. Like, it's natural. Like, I should, I should, you know. I feel like I should do this. So why would I deny myself of it? You know, it's not really hurting anybody. You know, you, you hear those things. Yeah. Sometimes they make good points. Yeah. But, but the misunderstanding, the second misunderstanding is why, why does the Bible, why does God say, don't do these things? And the coolest thing that I figured out because it blatantly says it, it's not like I like did some like riddle thing and like, coding and stuff is you're set free from them Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So, so I'm back to my paradigm. I'm this like punk rock dude who just wants freedom from, you know, you cannot oppress me. You cannot <laughs> do it. Like, even if it's something I don't want to do and you tell me not to do it, I'm going to do it right in your face. Don't care. Like that's, that's as a kid, as a teenager, as like a young adult, that's who I am. Yeah. And so like God says, like, don't drink, don't have sex outside of marriage, you know, don't steal, you know, all this kind of stuff. Don't be greedy. Don't be selfish. Don't talk smack, you know, like all these things. It's like, oh my gosh, like that is such a boring life. But then you get to the realization of why and that you're free from it. Okay. So I'm like, so I'm free from this desire to have sex out of marriage. What does that mean? Well, how could I be free from that? Cause I feel it right now. You don't have to obey it. Well, what do you mean? I don't have to obey it. All those who aren't of the faith have to obey that stuff. That's just, those are the rules. That's what sin is. It's within you. It, it's your driving force. Mm. And whenever you're revealed something that you're not supposed to do, all you want to do is do it. You don't ever have to teach a kid to not do something like they always want to do it. It's in their nature. And like figuring out like, oh my gosh, I'm free from myself. Like I don't have to be angry anymore. Mm. I don't have to be a jerk. I'm free from that. I want to be, but I have all the power to not be game changer. Yeah. Game changer. That is so cool. Yeah. I love the, um, that you have the, you, you hold the dichotomy of, and you put it really beautifully of, um, like, uh, faith paves the way for freedom and you don't, um, like it's the realization that you can be free through faith that uh, you are essentially set free at that point that you realize yeah. and believe that you are no longer a slave to sin. But at the same time, you also say, but there's hard work involved. Oh, yeah. like, it's not like you believe and then it's like, I'm a totally different person. Like you had to, you had to work to change in the sense that, but you no longer were a slave yeah. to yeah. the person you used to be. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it gets to the point to like, the more you grow in that faith and the more that you press into it and experience it, the more you realize areas of your life that you're, that you haven't utilized that freedom because hmm. you've never seen it. You've never seen the need to be free. And then the more you realize like, I'm not perfect. Like I am not that gold standard, that first misunderstanding. I'm not that I, like at the very beginning, sometimes you think like, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I've sinned today. I'm doing pretty good. Like yeah. I'm pretty good. And yeah, I tell you, the more you get into it, the more you realize like, wow, I definitely need faith every single day. But it's like a cool thing because it's not, you know, you would think that's like depressing. Like I'm never going to achieve this. Mm. Like my works are never going to be enough. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it. It's not based on the works. It's based mm. on like the sacrifice that was given to you by Christ, which has set you free from everything. So the weight's not on you. So keep living free and continue to try and be free. Hmm. Even when you mess up and show that you're still enslaved to something, you can immediately turn around and say, you know what? I don't have to listen to you anymore. Yeah. 
I love that you are you're never you've never not been about freedom. Yeah. It's just been it was directed at something that was um you thought was freedom but wasn't, you know, and yep. now it's like you've you found uh like just a I don't know. It's just so cool. I didn't actually put that together until you said it. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, stew is still freedom stew. <laughs> yeah, you know freedom, what I mean? Freedom stew. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, okay. So you become a follower of Christ yeah. and things start changing for you. Yeah. Um, what happened next? Did you, uh, where did you go? Yeah. So, so that's when I moved to West Virginia. Um, okay. So I'm like, I want to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's... The, fun, the, dude, the fun part about that song, a lot of that stuff's not even in West Virginia. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Blue Ridge Mountains are in Virginia. <laughs> I've been lied to my whole life. Yo, come on, John Denver. Let's Gosh. go. <laughs> <You jump. laughs> anyway, so, so, uh, I moved to West Virginia because again, I'm like wild stew and like the phrase for West Virginia is wild and wonderful. Hmm. Like that's just what West Virginia is. Uh, and so through my, uh, sister-in-law, my brother's wife, her brother-in-law runs a summer camp in West Virginia. And I'm like, you know, I need a job. Like, come on. Cause all this, like, this is all still fresh. Like I need a job. Right. You still, he still got bills to pay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get out of Pittsburgh. Cause like, I love Paul and me and Paul are going to be tight, but like, all I want to do is get back into what I was doing. Yep. And so you mean like, like you wanted to go back to the old, your old life, old life, try and get back with the girl. I can still go to these bars underage. Like, you know, it just like, I'm free from that. I need to step out of it. Yep. Uh, and so then I, hear about this camp and I want to go there because it's like, it's got Christians there and I don't know how Christians act. Cause I'm still figuring this out. Cause like right. I'm all about ripping Christians, not like being one. Right. right. <laughs> so, so I go there and I'm the wilderness kind of, uh, activity guy. So like we're making like shelters i'm teaching them all the different ways to make fire you know with flint and steel lighting matches with my teeth like you know that's <laughs> that's just a fun trick and like you know having like outdoor cooking teach you how to cook on a fire and all that stuff things that i actually learned from george the navy seal guy okay which is like okay so this is pretty cool and that's like really i got my outdoor love from this dude from george uh and so he, his skills really helped me just slide into this. I helped uh, teach uh, horseback riding, archery. Uh, what else? Yeah, it's just like all that like fun summer camp stuff. Yeah. But like each year that I was there, I was there for three years. Each year I was there, it was like more intense. But like not just like more intense for the activities because one I like have a rhythm and I can build on that and I have a relationship with these kids now so I can build on it. But then it's like okay so I'm like learning like learning how to pray, learning what these words mean that I read because it's like you know I'm reading like something that was translated from ancient Hebrew to English. This sounds super weird. Like I have no right. idea what the context is and all that stuff. So I'm like learning about this book and I'm like feeling pretty comfortable and confident of like it's sticking like this thing's like actually sticking. And so, yeah, so I got super interested in reading the Bible and it's like, I'm reading things I don't understand. I have 
no clue how to pronounce this dude's name. I have no idea why it's significant. I have no idea about any of this, but it's fascinating. <laughs> and every now and then I find truth in it. Like, and when I say truth, it's not like this postmodern view of truth of like, it's true for you, not for me. It's like, I read this thing I don't understand. And then later in the day, something happens and it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly ha- like what happened. What in, in in the relationship that I just read about, like, holy cow. Like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, what? This thing is like transcending time, you know? And so that got me fascinated with this book. So then I moved back to Pittsburgh after all that time and start meeting with Paul again. And Paul's telling me about like, you know, missions. And I'm all about missions because like I wanted to do missions in the military. So like, mm. you know, what are missions? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> just the name of it. It's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like it's so he tells me about like, you know, I know that like in America, typically we would go and like build stuff in Mexico or help like do hum- humanitarian things. So that's like, you know, he starts telling me about that. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. But not like, you know, it's not missions, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, you know, whatever, something way more hard. You're thinking like warfare. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Like, I want to do a mission. And yeah. So, so then he gives me this book. It's called Through Gates of Splendor by this writer called Elizabeth Elliot, who is amazing. You should read it. Anybody, I don't even care who you are, you should read that book. Um, it's about these group of people who from uh, a couple different universities in the U S in like the 19 late 1940s, early fifties fly down to Ecuador and make the first contact with a people group that has never been touched by the outside world before they're called the Aka tribe. And they didn't even know they existed, but one of these guys is like this crazy pilot uh, who finds like these like villages and he's like, who lives down there? And people are like, we have no idea. So they end up making contact with them and they just want to like learn their language, understand who these people are, and then finally give them the story of the Bible and give them the the ability to be redeemed and all this. And all the men are like meeting with them and all this stuff. And they all just get ran in with spears and they all die on a beach. And then the wives like, 10 years later are still working with the tribe and like they actually accept Christ and like are remorseful for killing their, uh, killing their husbands. And like, this is like a head hunting tribe. Like, you know, the stories that you hear about like cannibals in the jungle, like this, this is why the stories exist. It's like tribes like this, like total head hunters. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, I wish I was in the fifties. Like I want to do a mission. And so like, this was the mission you were looking <laughs> yes, for. Yes, exactly. Like I want to get speared. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the mentality. And so my buddy Paul is like, you know, like, wow. Uh, you realize that like that still exists. Right. And I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like, are you kidding me? Like globalization, like we know every corner on this planet with GPS. Like we do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was in, that was in 2014, you know, it's 2020 now. And we know that even more so globalization has just erupted in those last six years. And so, you know, I'm just like, no way, dude, you're like totally punking me right now. 
And so we start talking about it. He starts showing me and it's like, oh my gosh, like what? Okay. Like purpose. Right. Uh, wow. Okay. So I, I do, I start reading and studying and all this stuff and I don't read and study. That's like, that's not a thing. I do. <laughs> and I'm like just tearing things apart. And I find this mission organization through Paul. Um, and I go to like their Bible school and they're all about like the most remote. They use the term unreached, like not touched by people. They don't even have written languages. That's wild. Right. So that's crazy. They don't even have written languages. So you have to like go into these villages, write or know their language, be able to know it culturally. So like, you know, we have words that have connotation to it. So you have to figure out not only the words, how to pronounce them correctly, but also know the cultural tie to what you're saying and how you say it. Accents, all that stuff. And then you have to develop an alphabet that perfectly fits it. And then you have to translate the big book. Like, (laughs) that's wild. That's a mission. That's a mission. It's so like. Wow. That's so, not a, that's not a week long trip not, somewhere to build a house. Not, that's dude. like a, that's, that's 30, like a lifetime. Yeah, That's 30 years, man. And so like, wow, yes, I'm in, let's do this. And so yeah. I go to the, I go to the Bible school to do that two years there. Uh, and then I moved back to, uh, so that was, yeah, Bible school in Michigan. Then I moved back to Washington to my brother's church. Uh, and then I go to Ontario, Canada to do this like missionary training, which is like how to learn language, not like be taught a language, but like how to watch somebody's tongue and be able to mimic the sounds they're making because the alphabet you have does not use these sounds. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is whack. And you know, we learn about that stuff. We learn, learn about how to communicate cross-culturally. So what I think is super clear is not clear to someone in a different culture and language. Like I know this is a podcast, so you can't really see it, but if, but if I were to say, how do you say like glass of water in a different language? Like, you know, you would think like you just point to it and you would say like glass or water, 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 water. And they're like, Oh, uh, you know, they say something. Anaga or something like that. And and you're like, oh, Anaga, Ananga, Nanga. And they're like, yeah, this culture doesn't use their finger to point. Hmm. That's not a thing. They don't know what you're doing. They point with their lips. They give like a little kissy face to that. How do you figure that out with a with a culture that's never been contacted before? I'm just shaking my head. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's like the the kind of stuff that you, that you learn. Wow. And and it's all just like analyzing body, speech, tone, all that stuff. And so, yeah, we went through that. We spent a month off the grid, like completely off the grid, uh, resembling like this, like jungle village life where like, we're all in each other's space, which was like, Awesome. I mean, I, I know it was uncomfortable for a lot of people and I'm just like a total bro that's living in the woods. So like I got, <laughs> I got no worries, but like, you know, our houses are covered in green, uh, greenhouse plastic. There's no privacy hmm. because in villages there's no privacy. And so 
how do you and your wife who are like, you guys have an argument. How do you argue? Cause we can all hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your, your kid who's two years old or one year old is screaming at two 30 in the morning every single night. And we're all awake. Oh man. <laughs> That's community living. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so it just teaches you the awkwardness, the frustration, and kind of, it's not to like train you, it's to give you the slightest taste of like what it's going to be. Because you all know the language, you all, we're all friends. Right, right. It's You're on playing, you're playing on easy mode. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're, this, that's the tutorial. It's not, you're not even on like the real game yet. So yeah, and that's what that training was. Um, where, where, where was that at? So that was in Ontario, Canada. Okay. Uh, and so that was... Uh, 18 to uh, 2018 to 2019. And then after that, this last year, I've been living in Monroe, Washington, again, at my brother's church, which I now help pastor and all that stuff. So I was here for a year trying to, uh, do like support raising to go to the area called the circumpolar North, which is so you have like the Arctic circle, which is like the top, like 10% of the world, maybe 15 or something. You know, it's like the hat, the hat of the world. <laughs> but the circumpolar North is the sub Arctic region too. So it covers pretty much all of Alaska, except the panhandle. So all of Alaska, the, uh, Yukon territory, Northwest territory, Nunavut, which is all the islands, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finland. And, you know, two thirds of Russia. That's the region. Uh, I don't know why, dude. I don't know why. Cause like all the stuff I was taught was all jungle or like desert stuff. Right. I don't know why, but like the thing is, is those people exist out there too. Hmm. I mean, just, just in, uh, one area in Northeast Canada where Inuits are. Uh, or, or the primary group is Inuit uh, First Nations people, there's 13 dialects to their language. Hmm. And they all have a different alphabet. <laughs> oh like there's goodness. a lot of similarities yeah. in their language, like yeah, yeah. How, how Spanish Spanish and Latin, you know, kind of have like some similarity yep. and some basis, but it's like, yeah, no, like a Bible in this translation cannot be thrown across the 13. That's one, that is one ethnic group with 13. Wow. And so, yeah, you'll have them all across the circumpolar North. I mean, you have them all across the world too, but like, yeah, I don't know why, but I've just always been fascinated by Arctic. Cool. Arctic and subarctic. And so then you went and, uh, you went and lived up in Alaska or yeah, so I spent a couple of months, uh, in the dead of winter, just shy of the Arctic circle in Alaska. So this was like, you did your training, you did your initial month long training, uh, in, but it, that was in a different environment. And so you, was this like, you wanted to get that similar feeling of like, so, can I survive? Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I did the Alaska trip before I went to the missionary training. Oh, okay. And so everything I heard about the jungles and the deserts, it was like, okay, filter that from like a you are, mindset. You are already thinking. Yep. Yeah. It's like just. It's all good stuff. The principles are there. Contextualize it, filter it, all that stuff. But yeah, so I spent two months uh, just shy of the Arctic Circle in a village in uh, Bush, Alaska. So to put it in perspective, uh, 
we were, I think it's like 270 miles away from the nearest road. Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah road <laughs> so like yeah fly-in access and river access in the summer and that's it uh, i mean you can like use a snow machine and like dog sled it if you're if you're tough enough but yeah uh yeah so i did that and i wanted to do the darkest coldest part of winter because i love that because i mean like it would be cool to go in the summer i mean like sure i mean people pay big big bucks to do that in the summer but it's yeah. like i mean that is the smallest window of like your time there. And like, if I'm going to get the actual taste, I might as well feel what, whatever the, the coldest it got there was 63 below. When oh I was my there, goodness. zero wind chill. That is like standing air 63 negative. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what was it like? Oh, uh, so the guy I was living with Chris, he, he told me to go out there and like walk in it for like an hour or something like that. So I like go out and walk and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, the amount of clothes I had on, I had everything I owned and I did okay. Like my body, my core was like, okay, my hands, I had these like super awesome wool liners, super awesome gloves on top of like zero degree mittens. Like I was like the marshmallow man. <laughs> I could not feel my hands. And I had like this, uh, balakava with the big old like Russian trapper hat, which mm -hmm. is like rated for minus 40. And like, I cannot feel my ears. And I, yeah, I'm like, I am loaded up and all you can see is like my eyes, like goggles, like goggle, flesh goggles. <laughs> that sounds weird, but like flesh goggles. Mm -hmm. That's the only bear skin that's showing. <laughs> and it has got a sheet of ice on it from my breath instantly freezing to my face. <laughs> and it felt like I was standing right next to a blow dryer on like inferno temperature hot oh yeah because like, it's so cold it just it was, burned dude it for real burns and like there were there was a time where we were not not at this temperature but there's a time where we were chainsawing trees down uh because believe it or not when it's like 15 negative 15 outside that's like the time to do it that's, that's warm yeah well yeah not only is it warm the chainsaws can turn on still but your snowmobiles can ride really on top of the snow with all of the logs, you know, so they don't get like, uh, like deep into the snow. Got so, it. The yeah, snow's hard yeah, enough yeah. to pull the logs on. So yeah, you're they saying? don't get okay. bogged down. Yeah. Cause if that happens, you're also the only one out there. So have fun with that. Fucking <laughs> 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 yourself out. So like, there's a time where like, oh, the chainsaws are the chainsaw chains are getting really dull. Cause you're cutting through frozen birch, which is like rock hard so that they, they dull super fast. So I'm like mm -hmm. changing one. I have my gloves off. My hand is 15 below. So my hands are like, you know, I'm not made for this. I haven't been out, <laughs> yeah. I haven't been out here this whole, like, I haven't been out here for years. So like, you know, right. I'm still like a, you know, city slicker compared to these dudes. Yeah. And so I can't feel my hands, but I can like function with them. So I'm like change, changing the chain. I take the chain off and I hear this like, I'm like what is that? Like, because there's no sound because everything is so soundproof by all the snow. Mm. There's no sound. So like, something subtle you can totally hear. So I, <laughs> the chain is still hot from cutting the logs and I can't feel it in my hands are burning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I just like, Oh, the sound was a sizzling yeah, of your skin. fingertips. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, it's, so I just, just stick my hand in the snow. I'm like, I'm sure this feels good. Like I'm sure if I can feel my hands, this would feel good. So I, I'm just going to do this for a little bit. And then like, you know, then changed it. But, 
So yeah, like learning that kind of stuff and then contextualizing it through the training of like, okay, so that's village life instead of like going out on like a firewood run, which is like grabbing branches in the jungle with like tribesmen. It's like, you know, getting firewood, you know, you know, whatever, getting 12 cords of firewood for two winters ahead. You know, hmm. yeah, that's, that's what you're doing. And then you're figuring out again through the cultural thing, you're figuring out getting firewood is probably the most taboo thing you could do hmm. in this village, which is interesting. Cause like, you're thinking like, okay, well I have to stay alive because I need firewood. Uh, but it's, man, it's more, t- that is a more taboo subject than like me asking you how much money do you make? How's like, you know, for real, how, how, how is your wife and you like, how's the sex life? Like you don't just like throw that question out there, right. you know, how do you afford this house? You know, all these kind of things. You don't just like walk up and say something like that. Yeah. So when you ask somebody, where'd you get your firewood? It's like just that awkward of like, hmm. Uh, hmm. cause you're like another person taking supply that everybody needs. And so it's like, Oh, way more village communal kind of thing. And so hmm. it's like, uh, Oh, you know, right. <laughs> Show down, down a couple of these rivers and you, uh, yeah. and you change the subjects. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah. But so you have to, you have to learn the nuance though. Otherwise you you're going to be, how can you be effective if yeah. you're totally blind to the cultural norms and exactly. And like, so I figured that, Oh, I didn't figure that out. I was told that, um, I came to that realization and being there and then going through the training, it was like, Oh my gosh, we don't even think about this stuff in our own culture. Hmm. And then we just assume it everywhere else mm-hmm. that this, that our norm is the norm or should be the norm or is right. Yeah. It's like, Oh my goodness. This just got a lot harder. That's crazy. A lot harder. <laughs> but knowing you, you're down for the, you want no, the, mission. the mission. You want like, yeah, the hardest, <laughs> yeah. like harder is better. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the mission. So, yeah. so that's, yeah, that's what that training was about. That's and, cool. and so the crazy thing though, is like, I've been, for five years since 2015 aiming to launch uh and 2020 was going to be the year but like covid travel restrictions right just canned me immediately um and so yeah now i'm here still of the same mindset same intensity same direction and will motivate and like coach and coach in like the best way possible to get people to do the same. Yeah. Uh, with the same mindset of like, chances are you're going to be wrong a lot more than you think. And like, that's, that's what you have to be okay with. Hmm. But guess what? You're free. You're free from it all. Like you're free from all the expectations that people have of you as a missionary. You're free from, the necessity of the American dream to own a home, to, you know, have a sweet car, to have a trailer. Can we, can we touch on own a home for a second? Because, uh, you did something in your preps for going to Alaska (laughs) around, uh, homesteading. So you knew, uh, that you were going to be going somewhere where there's not a hotel that you can, uh, rent a space in while you're doing the mission or whatever. 
So yeah. you, you, what'd you do? Tell so, so this was between the year of Bible school to the year of missions training. I built a log cabin, uh, on my brother's, uh, five acres that he has out here in Washington. Uh, I did the whole thing by hand. Um, so no, no power tools. The only power tool I used was a chainsaw to cut trees down. Got it. Uh, I know how to do it with an ax. I also need a lot of logs fast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's just me. So, like, yeah. you know, it's a chainsaw. Is but, just but everything else. Yeah. So hewing the logs with a broad axe. For, for people that don't know, including myself, uh, uh, hewing the logs hewing means. It, uh, so you take a round log uh-huh. and you give it a flat side. Or multiple flat sides. Okay, so you can so, stack them. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. So you turn it into like Lincoln Logs status, and yeah. then you notch them like Lincoln Logs stack. Okay, at, at the corner. And you use the same. Yeah, so I use different types of axes and knives and stuff and chisels to do that. Uh, I had to carry, and again, this this isn't like a a gloat moment. This is like a I'm gonna have to do this because like there are no houses out here that are just like, Hey, this one just showed up for sale. Like, yeah, right, right. This cute a frame, two, two room, one bath, a frame is for sale. <laughs> and I'm going to have to do this. And if I'm new into this community, people may or may not help me. So I need to be able to do this by myself. Yeah. So I have to carry these like 12 to 14 foot logs from wherever I cut them, the straightest ones I can find to the, the building site by myself. Like, so doing all that, making a thousand mistakes because I just watched YouTube videos and read a couple of magazines, right? (laughs) You know, whatever made a thousand mistakes, had to like redo a bunch. I probably built that cabin like three times before it actually was built. And yeah, it was all with, uh, hand tools that I had to sharpen every single day and make sure that they were up to par. And, you know, I, I cheaped out and bought, uh, or had, <clears throat> had uh galvanized uh corrugated roofing so i mean i i didn't make you know i didn't make like the thatch roofing or whatever but to be honest like if i was out there anyway i'd get that shipped in so got it yeah. right you'd be making the same right so i right. used so i used a impact driver the goal to keep that on there the goal wasn't for you to like prove like oh look what i can build with my right. hands the goal was you for you to test to yourself and make sure if you were or if and when right yeah. you're alone in uh the alaskan bush or wherever right in the, yeah the arctic north what is it called circumpolar circumpolar north uh that you can uh build a shelter with the available supplies right and you did it. I went and saw it and it looked awesome. Very Pinteresty. It was, dude, it looked <laughs> just this tiny little log cabin in the Pacific Northwest woods. It was awesome. Yeah. And and not only did you build it, you how long did you live in it? So I lived in it for six months, uh, which was October. I think I moved in October and moved in just at the end of March. Uh, I think that was, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just around six moved, months. Moved out in March. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Moved out in March. So uh, cl- in classic Stu fashion, you went during the hardest months of the year. Yeah. Dude. I mean, <laughs> I can leave, live it in the summertime, but like people pay big money to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I did that and cooked on this like tiny wood stove, like put the cast iron skillet on it, made every single meal I had on that wood stove. You didn't like, run an electrical, a power cord off of out yeah, to the, nah, it was all, it was all, off grid, um, 
no running water. So I had to import water. Uh, I had batteries charging at my work that I would, if I was in Alaska, use like, you know, solar during the summer and figure out if it'd be like thermal energy or whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe I would hook up to the power grid there or whatever, sure. you know, but it was, yeah. it was resembling that idea of like, yeah. I know I can do this, but what is the most practical and the most realistic? Yeah. So, yeah. And so I lived That's- there for six months and made a million mistakes and made it work. That is so cool, <laughs> man. You know, yeah. I, uh, I did a little like uh, a thing a while back where I carried water um, 1.8 miles re- or each way uh, for a week. Okay. Uh, so each day I would take my five gallon bucket and I would go walk down to the river that was like two miles away, fill right. it up with water and walk it back just because I wanted the experience. You know, I know that, um, you know, millions of people around the earth are yeah. have to collect water and the average distance. So that was like the, the average was like, how hard is this really? You know, for like real? I heard the stats, but I, I didn't know this. I didn't feel it. Yeah. And I went and I went and did it for a week and, um, it sucked, honestly. Like it was horrible. Like it was, I don't know. It was, it gave me a lot of appreciation for what I have. For real. Um, and I was trying to use the water too. So I was trying to like bathe, but I'm conserving water, you know? Yeah. So I'm like taking like bucket showers and pouring it over myself. Yeah. But after a week, I was like, okay, I get the idea. I'm kind of done. But right. you went six months is like not six months. Isn't just like, Oh, I tested it out. And I know I know what it feels like it's six right. months. You got systems dialed uh, in. Yeah, baby. You, you know exactly yeah. how to do it. Like you, you probably had everything like just, yeah, I had just chugging away. I had the point of like the natural alarm clock. So like I, at night I'd get the, the wood stove just piled in. I would, uh, close the damper tighten the one screw on the door you had to tighten it like this perfect way like it's almost like the superstition like you don't do it the right way it's not gonna work so i like tightened it like the perfect you know quarter turn yeah climb up into my bed in the loft and sleep on top of my sheets and shorts and wake up because i'm cold at like mm, 3 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. climb down the ladder open the wood stove pile it filled with wood, close it, untighten that screw, open the damper up just a crack, and then put my little percolator with the coffee ready to go on top of it, mm-hmm. climb back up the ladder, and I would wake up one hour later, 4.30 in the morning, to the percolated coffee going. That's my alarm clock. Man. Every single day, on the dot, perfect. Oh. But it took like it took three weeks to figure that out, yeah. especially with that stupid little screw. Right. You woke up, you had some cold nights. Yep. 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 There, yeah. There are some times where like I have this ripping fire going and I load the stove, do everything right. And I wake up at like one in the morning and can see my breath. And I'm like, the stupid fire died. Like not, <laughs> I turned the screw the fire's not supposed to die. Oh <laughs> so, man. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. There's always a glitch in the system. Sure. But yeah. So that was that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yep. Dang man. That <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. So um, a couple big, I got a couple kind of broad questions for you. So if, you know, the mistakes, I don't even know if mistakes are the right word, but there was different parts of your journey that pushed you in different directions. And, and sometimes you have to, you have to fail to grow and all that. Right. Um, but if you could give your, give your younger self advice, um, what would it be? Or would your younger self have even accepted advice? Uh, no Maybe. Way. No, <laughs> no. Way, not a chance. But that is so if. I don't think it could ever happen, but like if a time machine could be created mm-hmm. there, like as far as physical desires that like 
could be on the bucket list, but they're so extreme that they can't happen. This would be the number one thing on my bucket list would have a Red Bull because I wouldn't drink coffee, have a Red Bull with myself at a 17 with me right now and not even like have like this like proverbial wisdom discussion. It would just be like, I just want to pick you apart. Like, mm. <laughs> I just want to talk to you. Yeah. And show you you're such a dope dude. Because <laughs> um, in your 17, you thought you were oh high, hot stuff. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So here's, I'll, I'll get back to that. So here's a slight rabbit trail. The, the thing that the cabin taught me the most when I was building it was if I was 20. So I built it when I was 25. If I was building it when I was 20, there would not have been an issue. There would have been no problems with it. I would have never made a mistake in my mind. Hmm. I would have made, I would have made tons of mistakes, but, uh, it would have been like not, I would have never realized them. I would have never realized the mistakes I made ever. Right. And it's, and it's not, I, I mean, sure. I'm, I am definitely still arrogant. Like I'll say that right now. Uh, <laughs> I am an arrogant person and I'm working on it and I'm getting less arrogant, but I'm mm -hmm. definitely still arrogant. But the amount of ignorance. Can you, can you be arrogant and know you're arrogant? I feel like that's a pretty, it's a pretty healthy first step. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. A, it shows your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, accepting the denial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as 20 or, or as, yeah, as, as 20 year olds do, it would have been a perfect blend of arrogance and ignorance hmm. of like, oh yeah, I can do this. Like I can lift these logs. Like I probably could have lift bigger logs back when I was 20 than when I was 25. But like building that cabin, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm making all these mistakes. Hmm. But I know if I did this when I was younger, there wouldn't have been any issue. I wouldn't even thought about it. Hmm. And so having like a discussion with myself at 17, no, I definitely would not listen to anything yeah. i don't think i would if i did there would have to be like a strong relational tie other yeah. than like this weird bill and ted excellent adventure like hey this is me in the future like <laughs> listen to me right you know whatever but i i think that i would not listen but i believe later on i would look back mm -hmm. and and just say like okay he was right but it had to happen. Hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, I am the, like, you got to scuff your knees. Right. And, but it's not even like, I have to like fail in the most extreme ways. Like sometimes just a little, a little prick by a thorn is enough. Hmm. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's good. So I guess that kind of leads into the next question. Then what do you think is the most important thing you need to do to be able to change your mind? Um, like to, to transfer from a, a static way of thinking to a more dynamic. Sure. Um, like what do you, I mean, you kind of mentioned like not for you, like experience and feeling the pain is yep. maybe one way of doing it, but is does something else come to mind? So how do you change the way you think? The, so there's a, there, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, the greatest thing that I love about the Bible is you can read it over and over and over again. And there's always something new there. 
both to a contextualized level of like, you know, I was saying like I'd read stuff and be like, oh my goodness, this is happening right now. Like that's a dynamic portion of the Bible of like, it is constantly real every single day. If you give it the chance and you believe in faith and all that, but like also it's just, you just, it's so big. You don't pick up everything. Like you just can't like, or at least I can, I know I can't. And so like even just the minor details that aren't dynamic, they're static. They're just like, always. Oh, that sentence has always been there. And I have never, it's never clicked. I've never understood it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So that has taught me constantly that I don't know everything. Uh, a life of faith has also constantly taught me that I am not capable of everything. Mm. Um, but like, the thing that I think blends blends both of those together is the fact that I need to always be learning. There's no mastery to this. Like I can't master myself. This isn't. There's no mountaintop no. where you go, okay, I'm done. No, it's, if anything, it's always a false summit. Hmm. Like you get up there and you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, that one's way bigger. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm never going to stop learning. And the greatest thing about being a teacher and being a person who, who invests in people is nobody's the same. Everybody changes. You do too. So you need to be able to one roll with the punches, but also have integrity on your core values, stuff that you're willing to grow and learn in but never be shaken from. I don't know if that makes sense. Like never be able to be taken down on like my morals and on what I believe about God and Christ and all that kind of stuff. And that was for real that I, I was taught that at the Bible school and at uh, the missionary training. And during my time in Alaska where I'm like, Bush people are very different. They're very Mm. different people but they're not wrong. Hmm. I would never do what they're doing. And, you know, in whatever context, like whatever they're doing, I would never do that. I think it's crazy to do that and way harder. They're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's wrong for me to think that they're wrong just because I want to do it, you know, cause then I'm imposing some sort of like higher truth that really doesn't exist but I kind of perceive it to, to be like, if, if, if I'm right, then I'm always right. And if I'm always right, then I can look at you and say, you're wrong in the way that you don't store your firewood. You're in, you're in and you're out. You just go cut it out and negative 40. That's wrong. You should not do that. And it's like, no, it's not. They've done that for thousands of years. Like, you know, you know and that's mm-hmm. something super simple and it goes down it goes deeper to morality and ethics and all that stuff. But some people just do some things different and that's okay. Even though my Western mind thinks I would never do that. Right. So, and yeah, just being a lifelong learner is something that we were taught at mission training because you ain't going to figure it out, man. You're just going to be learning the entire time until you die. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. Awesome, man. 
Well, this has been really fun. I this is I feel like I've I've really got the whole story from beginning to end, <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's pretty. It's just really cool to hear about how you were going in one direction in your life, and it wasn't like a bright light, and you suddenly were like a totally different yeah. person. <laughs> that you, it's like you mentioned there was this two sided thing, and yeah. um, and it sounds like a, a, a thread. It's not that you were a humble person, but you had enough humility to know, or you came to realize. I don't know, just really cool. Got humiliated enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Well, yeah. you learned humility anyways, and now yeah. um, you're you're learning, and you're looking to grow, and you're looking to serve, and it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what the rest of 2020 has. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, it's so fun. Awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. I had a blast recording it, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm Jake Thayer, and you've been listening to I Used to Know, But Now I Think.